Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, dude? I don't know. I feel like I'm in the principal's office. But <laughs> 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 um, uh, <laughs> Yes. So Zach is uh, referencing uh, my promotion, uh, which happened really quickly and suddenly, actually. It was about two weeks ago. I was sitting talking with uh, the administrator of the school and having a discussion. And she kind of looked at me and was like, hey, what do you think about running this building? We have three campuses at the school I work at. And I was like, uh, okay, sounds good. Um, and so I found out on Friday that I actually got that position. So things have been moving and happening rather quickly. Uh, teachers who thought they were going to be teaching one thing are ending up either teaching something else or teaching more than they thought. And I'm going to be running an entire campus. So we'll see how that goes. You know, it's funny, Nathan. The other day I was at an elders meeting and I was like, I feel like I should be running this place. And they were like, no, <laughs> we, don't, we don't feel the same way. We'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> Hard pass, buddy. Right. Well, you know, come the end of the year, they might be saying that about me too. So I might be teaching <laughs> science again next year. Uh, <laughs> dude, um, you know, it's crazy working you know, Christian ministry because things are constantly changing and, you know, people are always saying, Hey, would you pray about doing such and such? Which my wife and I joke really means, you know, we want you to pray about your attitude about doing this because you're going to do it. So, um, <laughs> but you know, what they call that, they call that voluntold. That's man. right. <laughs> that's right. I was voluntold. Um, and actually, no, uh, you know, I, I'm very excited to be doing this. Uh, this is a conversation that I've had. Um, with my administrator um, for, I think it was about eight months ago, I had that conversation um, about being interested in doing that, um, continuing my education in that. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of, you know, jump in there um, and, and see what happens. Um, but you know what's interesting is that Mission Aware is always consistent. <laughs> you never have to worry about them. Uh, you know, jumping in and moving things around, except, you know, we did have to worry about them dropping the, these go to 11 page at one point. <laughs> but now we have two. That's right. We still have two. That's and, right. And, you know, you never have to worry about them uh, adding more stuff to the gut check page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are in nothing, if not wildly consistent. Um, but <laughs> that's us. That's awesome. Uh, one of the things I was noticing, though, I was kind of flipping through their page the other day, and I noticed that they have these onesies for babies, which have all of the same cool stuff on them that uh, some of the adult prints do. So they have the Sole Deo Gloria. They have the five solas on there, the uh, Calvin um, profile picture. They have the 1689 um, Roman numerals on there, the Greek uh, Jesus. So tons of really cool uh, onesies um, on that page. You know, So if you are having a baby or you're you know, a friend who's having a baby and you're looking to get them something, I would definitely check out that kids section of uh, Mission Aware and pick up one of those onesies because they're absolutely adorable looking. Have you seen Is those? There, are these go to 11 onesie or not? Oh, dude. Like I'm contacting Jeff. We need one of those. I think Gut Check needs to get a onesie on there too. Yeah, dude, just don't even bother. <laughs> Appreciate the thought, but don't even bother. Well, you got the T-shirt. I mean, you know, you're just downsizing the, the material, yeah. right? <laughs> well, you'd think it's it's simple, right? Simple. It's not simple, man. There's a lot apparently that goes into uh, putting another shirt or or another product on a page. <laughs> It's, it's a very complex business. Far be it from you or I to pretend to understand all the ins and outs. <laughs> One of these days, maybe we'll, uh, we'll get down there and we'll, we'll see the inner workings of Mission Aware and what all goes on. I, I, you know, I'm a lot less flippant when I'm around Jeff, though, because uh, on account of his huge arms and, and uh, kind of – I don't want to say like football player physique. I think we decided it was kind of a, a – Tennis player physique, but like a really aggressive tennis player. Nice. <laughs> That's funny, man. That's funny. What else has been going on with you? We haven't had a chance to just uh, chat it up a bit. You got you got stuff going on there. Is uh, are things winding up for you with uh, church kind of transitioning out of the summer and into the into the regular year 
for you there? Not, you know, not so much. We had a, we used to have that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, everything kind of powers down, and, and now, and we, we'd have even a big like back to church rally day, you know, which is an old school Baptist thing, like right. right um, Sunday school starts again, all this stuff starts again. And uh, a while ago, I I just started taking the summers um, to preach, or rather to teach through different topics um, that wouldn't sustain a whole year. And, you know, like, for example, this summer I was teaching through uh, women in the Bible and women in ministry, women in the church. Oh, nice. Um, And, you know, it wasn't something that would take a whole year, so I've done it over the course of the summer. And what happened was a while ago, the kids' teachers were like, wait a minute, when the grown-ups come to your class, they expect there to be something for their kids. I was like, you don't say. And so the kids' classes (laughs) have also continued going throughout the year. And uh, we've gotten to the point where there's not really anything to ramp back up. It's, (laughs) It's all been going. Nice, nice. Are there any um, Are there any changes that go on, or is it just uh, we just flow right into it? Do you have? Uh, I guess our choir kicks back up, and my okay. my midweek service. Uh, yeah, yeah, there are there are some things. There are okay. some things, but it's just not the big to do marker point that that it used to be. It used to be very much like okay, um, everyone can come back from vacation and start attending church again, <laughs> and. At this point, I'm like, if you if you wanted a waiter in the summer, I'm not going to see you now either. So right, <laughs> you're already somewhere else. Yeah, or, or nowhere, or nowhere. Like yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, what about uh, what about family life there? Things I would assume uh, change drastically. Your little one goes off uh, to school, uh, or has he started already? Oh yeah, you know he goes to Lutheran school. They start him like the first day of July or something, and he's he's at school way before his friends, and then he gets out way before his friends. So it's kind of a double-edged deal there. Yeah. Like uh, he 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 likes that when he gets out earlier, but you know who wants to start school well even before Labor Day, which right. over, around here that's become like. I think it might even be a law now. Churches can't start before Labor Day. I always thought that was sweet. You got to kind of like you'd have you start on like a Thursday and have a two day week. Then the next week would be like a three day week because you got Labor Day and the and the you know uh, extra long weekend and then maybe a four day week and then and you know you kind of like ease back into school. Yeah, was not not so with Lutherans, man. I don't know if you know any Lutherans, but <laughs> that's not how they they don't ease into anything. Right, right. Well, we. Um so we did things differently. Different schools up here do things differently. I've taught at three different schools now um, around around the area, and they all had their different ways and different explanations of doing things. I actually didn't mind so much going back before Labor Day because it meant that we got out a few days earlier at the end of the year, um, and, I, and I actually I enjoyed that. Um, this year we decided – because even though we're a private school, we still follow the same bus schedule as the public school because we actually do get bus service at our school. Uh-huh. So we just decided, you know what, we're just going to do what they're doing. And Maryland last year passed the law that public schools were not going to go back until after Labor Day. Um, so the governor here just kind of took a look around at the finances and stuff and was like, you know, we have Ocean City, Maryland here, which takes in a ton of money. But if they're not, you know, if they're closing down a week early, then they're not going to pull that in. So he was like, you know what? We're going to help trade and commerce. So you can't go back to school before Labor Day. So basically you guys are just following the world and being worldly. We are. We are. Yep. We are. And that's the first thing that you can kind of crusade against as the principle. You know, let's get back to God's schedule. I think I think I'm going to hold off on that because I actually don't don't mind terribly that whole going back because our of teacher not. week <laughs> worldly as you are that's right that's right I mean are you really surprised hearing that from me Zach I mean come on <laughs> how shocked are you really <laughs> oh man but dude you know what's interesting is a friend of mine sent me this article uh, which is is kind of on track with what we were what we were talking about the whole worldliness thing and I I sent it to you because I found it fascinating and the title of the article is Rocky Mountain Church seeks a new plagiarizing pastor. Uh did you get a chance to read through that? You know I did but can I lodge a complaint man that wasn't actually up to your usual 
standards of segways. You're usually a really skilled, and that one was clunky, man. Are you are you feeling all right today? You yeah, off? You know, I am a little bit because of the new position at school. So <laughs> right before we went on, I was actually spending a ton of time trying to figure out how to import my lesson plans from last year <laughs> into this year, so that way I wouldn't have to rewrite them for the new science teachers. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I'm a I'm a little off my game. Give me a couple weeks, and I'll be back All on right. top of it. Uh, only a couple weeks. Only a couple. All right. Yeah, uh, I, I had a look at the article, um, and it's more and more and more. I'm looking at things and going, okay, where's the Babylon B uh, insignia? Because obviously <laughs> this isn't real. But, but granted, I, I believe that article na- uh, um, title was taking some liberties. They didn't say, we want a plagiarizing pastor. They said, we want someone after the style of, and then named a bunch of like half heretics. But the the deal with that, to me, was the funny thing was that it said they started the church by just gathering together and playing like YouTube clips of like famous preachers. Right. (laughs) Which totally, I remember when I was um, at a point where I was looking for a placement and I asked a uh, seminary professor of mine, I'm like, is there anything in Grand Rapids? Because uh, all my family's in Grand Rapids and everything. I said, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd like to see if there's anything there. And he said, well, and he, he named a, a multi-site, uh, very large church in Grand Rapids and said, uh, they're, they're looking for a campus pastor, but all that would entail is pressing play on the VCR. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it sounds like somebody had uh, a similar job there, but not ironically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it sounds like um, it sounds like that was that was what they were doing with worship as well, right? What really? Like, I, like okay, we're just gonna play like Hillsong's service from last week, and we'll all sing along. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was something like that, or like <laughs> we'll find you, we'll find you know Hillsong on YouTube and just kind of play through that. <laughs> Why would anyone leave home to do that? <laughs> it's- like, I can't, I, like if they didn't have YouTube, I guess. So, like, oh man, I don't. My my dial-up connection won't su- support the uh, right. 480 <laughs> resolution. I'm back on DSL, man. I'm back on DSL. <laughs> Tell me, do you have that article in front of you right now? Yeah, I do. Yep, I've got it pulled right, up now, here. Can you find the part where the guy was exp- he was like complaining about all the churches in the area and all of them were useless and there was no passion? And then he was like, we need somebody to come here and pretend that there's somebody else. Right. And, right. and to me, that was the saddest and most ironic part. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, wait, here it is. Okay, so not that part, but here. All right, so Rocky Mountain Church is a new aspiring mega church in Woodland Park, Colorado. So far, their strategy has been to have, quote-unquote, fun worship music and watch it. Okay, so it looks like they actually might have a worship band there, but watch a YouTube video of hip celebrity pastor. Now they're upping their game. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I, I don't know that I agree. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this this kind of seems like a backward step in every sense of the word. <laughs> oh man, what is it? Okay, so I owe a big shout out to the brilliant and talented Stephanie uh, Dury of Stuff Christian Culture Likes for bringing this to my attention. Uh, so I guess this is the guy writing the article about um, about the Rocky Mountain Church. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, everything from stuff Christian culture likes is you know mocking everything. And when somebody once asked her, "Is there any part of the New Testament that you consider to actually be authoritative?" and she was like, uh, "Some of the stuff Jesus said about love." I mean, like so. <laughs> so probably the original critique was was uh, not. For, for the same reasons you and I would roll our eyes about this sort of thing. Right, right. Uh, let's see. Okay, so here we go. Okay. Um, let's see. Woodland Park, Colorado is asleep because the churches are asleep. Uh, let's see. Or maybe because it's freaking cold up there. <laughs> That's a quote. People are hungry, but their spiritual food in the churches here are without flavor or life. The pastors are beautiful people and have good hearts, but we need some blockbuster sermons. That is literally what it says. Blockbuster sermons. And then it says blockbustersermons.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Let's see. BlockbusterSermons.com is yet to be launched website, which will, I'm guessing, feature some of the new pastor's Blockbuster Sermons. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Oh, man. So here, here's what I'm hearing. These, these pastors that are trying at these churches that have been serving in our community for uh, 150 years are decent people. But their ministry is completely inept, and their attempts at reaching people are completely fruitless because they don't have the sort of charisma of the people that I watch on YouTube. Yeah. And I have to ask, and I'm not, and I'm not being snarky, I, I have to ask in all seriousness, is there any way for us to find out whether this is uh, a push by a first-year Bible college student? Because that sounds like the sort of thing that first-year Bible college students think and say. Mm. Yeah, that. I mean, that's, that's actually I remember really kind of having that attitude myself. Like, oh, man, everything is all stale, and we really need to shake everything up. And, and it's like, um, yeah, as soon as you spend, you know, well, why, don't you, why don't you get your degree, spend five years or so in seminary, go serve in a church for a while, and then reassess um, kind of the, the degree to which you wanted to shake everything up, the, the level of uh, ineffectuality you saw in all these old churches. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're probably hearing a really young person's really passionate, zealous attempts to, you know, bring revival. Mm. But, uh, it, you know, I, I mean, I have a pretty de- good friend here in, in uh, my hometown who planted his church when he was in seminary. And it's a great church. And it's doing well now, but I've heard him say on multiple occasions that it was a big mistake to start planting a church and start seminary at the same time. Mm. <laughs> should, have, should have spent some time uh, learning before he, you know, you know, started leading. And um, you know, I'm going to get all sorts of hate mail for this because it makes it sound like you have to go to seminary to be a pastor. I'm not saying that. I'm saying. There's a place for youthful enthusiasm, and that place is often best um, – that person is often best served in a youth pastor capacity or an associate pastor capacity because that allows their enthusiasm to be contagious while there's somebody to kind of keep a cap on it from going down this road of let's mm. ditch all teaching except for YouTube clips and then uh, you know let's – Let's write up our job description, and it says, must preach like Stephen Furtick. Right. Um, you know, I, it, it, to me, this is – the reason it's like self-parody is because it's someone going to an absolute extreme, um, and everything – every biblical qualification is now lost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think you're right. I think the problem is, you know, we, we see the – youth or the youthfulness of people really coming out. And, you know, you said you were like this. I know I was like this without, I think without a clear dynamic understanding of what Christianity really looks like. Mm. You know, we forget the, we forget the simple everyday things that go on and that happen in the church and among believers. And that's how we're called to be. That's how we're called to live. And I think, I think to an extent, the churches that you grow up in, the the, the friends that you are associated with growing up in the, in the various churches and denominations that they grow up in can influence you because certain teachings, I think, can emphasize the sensationalism of the things that happen in the Bible, um, you know, and I'm not... I'm not necessarily a cessationist in terms of gifts and things like that, but I think with certain denominations and cultures, that being out there um, where it's all over the place, it's 24-7 all the time, you know, every day, all day, um, those things, I believe, have a huge impact in people's lives where you tend to hear that, you know, you're going to, you know, seize the world by the horns and, you know, change it and set it on fire. And so you have all these, literally every single instance in history is brought up to you where God does these great things and moves in these great ways. And 
I know from growing up, it was just kind of imprinted on me that it's expected of me to do that and that the people who aren't doing that now really aren't living according to the Bible. Forgetting that Paul calls us to live a quiet, simple life amongst our neighbors and just kind of live out our faith um, with Mm -hmm. them, you know? Well, and I think there's a place for churches that emphasize that, and there's a place for churches that emphasize, you know, go do some crazy stuff, Um, you know, there's there's even a place for you know the go live under a bridge with with people Shane Claiborne crowd mm-hmm. as long as you're not binding my conscience and telling me if you aren't you know quote unquote um, incarnationally living the same way we are you're sinning right but I I think the and I don't want to say I do want to say naivete uh, because um, when, when Paul is telling people live as far as you're able live at peace with everyone live a quiet life um mind your business work with your hands Mm -hmm. be content in every situation he's also you know being bit by snakes shipwrecked day and night on the open sea so there i mean there's a place to be uh for both There's there's a case to be made for both um the naivete i think comes in when you you have this um kind of romantic notion and i know i don't know a seminary student who doesn't mm-hmm. uh, of what ministry is going to look like and i think this is um well i mean today everyone's talking about because of that horrible tragedy everyone's talking about uh kind of uh depression amongst ministers this is one reason um a lot of ministers feel depression and i'm not and i'm talking about uh uh you know this individual i'm not saying mm-hmm. that that right. uh, this is always the case a lot of times it's just clinical depression uh, right. for the the normal reasons and and the treatment ought to be the same but like i'm talking about just feeling depressed feeling um like down feeling like nothing is working everything you do is you know it's feeling despondent yeah. uh, a lot of times it's because the expectations have been set super high mm-hmm. um and, and i think our world of social media is probably grooming the next generation of leaders mm-hmm. very much to have a bigger fall than my generation did because every moment they can pipe into their, into their ears, they can stream on their phone or on their computer. Uh, these huge sellout arenas be filled with somebody, you know, whooping it up and preaching. Um, oftentimes as someone who, whose expertise is in public speaking, uh, not very well, you know, not, not preaching great, but, you know, able to kind of get people in a frenzy. You've got the rock and roll and, and how old do I sound? The, the, the kind of rock <laughs> music worship. You've got the, the uh, ambient music underneath the raspy, whispery, um, you know, bring it home part at the end. Right. You've got all this stuff and they expect that this is what ministry is going to be like. Add to that a generation and I think probably the second generation in a row where the expectation is I'm not going to do what mom and dad did. You know, yeah. we're not going to we're not going to move out and move into a dinky little apartment and build our credit and build our nest egg and then, you know, buy a crummy little house and, and live there for a while. We save money and build equity. And then, you know, when we're 55, we'll be where mom and dad were when they were 55. No, no. The expectation is I'm going to graduate from college and I'm going to be right where mom and dad were when they were 55. Um, regardless of how in debt I have to go or whatever. And I think the same sort of thing is probably that same impulse is probably going to push a lot of people to expect. I'm going to graduate seminary. I'm going to take my first appointment Mm -hmm. or I'm going to plant a church. And it's immediately going to rise up to the level of all these massive churches I've been following. Um, And if it doesn't, I'm doing something wrong. And there's all this pressure. Um, I really feel for people who are yeah. who are in that position I, I gotta ask you this i mean do you think there's a analog in in the teaching world of you know i remember as a, a student um both in high school and in college uh mm-hmm. when you had a teacher a professor who was kind of right out of you know either finishing their master's program or you know just certified as a teacher mm-hmm. they often had really cool zany ideas and they spoke in really wild ways and and you know they they were like the robin williams you know <laughs> standing on the desk guy right and i i think back and remember all of us being like wow that youthful uh zeal really we caught on to it and we grabbed onto it but i do not think it helped us learn the material better in fact I believe the classes that I kind of like had to pinch myself every once in a while 
because I was like, okay, you're just lecturing and I'm writing down. I learned uh, probably most of the the best uh, long lifelong lessons and, and some of the material I can still access today came out of those settings. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think this is this is the portrayal that we've seen uh, I, I don't even know for how long, you know, I mean, I'd like to go back to, you know, Dead Poet Society with teachers and be like, oh, yeah, you know, you have that huge scene with Robin Williams up on the desk and, oh, Captain, you know, and all that stuff. And it's like, but, you know, you go back and I, I think I think the the sensationalism of media and entertainment brings about these things that they're fantasy to a certain extent. You know, you you read about Ron Clark, who is probably one of the most famous educators of our time, and you have the Ron Clark Institute in Georgia, and you know they're they're a K through eighth grade school, and they do these crazy, amazing things, and you know, but that's one, you know, that's one out of how many millions, and we try to find these formulas, whether it's in. Uh, Christian education, whether it's in ministry and pastoring, whether it's in entertainment. I mean, how many 13-year-olds are on YouTube trying to, you know, become a YouTube sensation because others have done it? You know, and when you look at the statistics of these these exceptions, everybody starts saying, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And and people try try to start bottling and selling these formulas of how you can do it. And I think part of the problem is people begin to lose themselves in these formulas and equations. For me, when I got into teaching, I had to know and understand what my personality was when I was teaching in order to be effective with the students. If I went into the students trying to be all crazy and zany and off the wall and jump on my desk and you know give these great impromptu speeches and all that stuff – the students were going to see through that and they were going to see that's not me. I'm much more subdued in the classroom, but I believe that I have their attention because I engage with them. I ask them probing questions with the material that we're going through, whether it was in Bible, asking them about their lives and, and trying to really bring them into, you know, the Bible as a class is, is almost a joke in a, in a certain respect because what you're trying to do is ultimately you're trying to teach them that it's going to be very personal and individual for you, you know, and, and, and there's homework and, you know, you can do Bible memory and, um, you know, in Lutheran school, I'm sure your boy's getting like catechism and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's stuff you can do with, with the Bible and there's stuff that you can do with the history of what you believe in all that. But ultimately in Bible, what I was trying to do was communicate like the the way that I live my life and the freedoms that I have in Christ might not necessarily be the same freedoms you have, you know. Uh, and and this is talking to high schoolers and things like that, you know, uh, older crowds. And you know, I can go home and I can enjoy a beer and not be sinning. Some of you might go home and you know when you're 21. Uh, and and try to drink and and it bothers your conscience. You just you can't get beyond that, and so you're sinning if you're trying to do something that impresses someone. And so for me, it was just it was the very direct, almost like big brother fatherly approach. It wasn't the the theatrics. And so I feel like people when they see someone like Stephen Furtick or they see someone like Andy Stanley or any of these big names, it's the same thing that reform people do with other pastors, right? We talked about that several months ago where people try to look at John Piper and the way he lives his life and they try to imitate him and they do such a horrible job at it because they're not being true to who God has made them to be and they're not effectively communicating and using their personality to reach people. And I think a lot of times that's mm -hmm. what happens, you know? Um, you know, that, that might be an interesting question, though, here. Is there any difference between these, this, this uh, job description or this, you know, Craigslist ad, whatever we're looking at here, and your average, like, young hipster reformed church, other mm -hmm. than that they're being honest, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't there sort of the expectation 
Uh, you're going to come here, and we all sort of know you're either going to be like a John Piper statesman type guy, or you're going to be like the Joe Thorne, like edgy, tattooed right. hands, kind of big beard guy, or you're going to be, you know, I mean, like, I know two Joe Thorne um, kind of equivalents. Right. Um, they're not they're not copying him, I don't think, uh-huh. but I mean, they fall into just kind of the same category, and I mean... Churches do have like their their way of learning, and and so you know, I don't think that the job description bugs me that much. Mm-hmm. It was the the YouTube like right. <laughs> what what that told me about why the job description was that way. Um, like like the the notion of this is sort of our wheelhouse. If somebody says you know we want an RC Sproul type, mm-hmm. okay, they're telling me they want someone that their congregation is is rather. Uh, educated, and they want someone cerebral. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're ju- they just know who they are, and they don't want to wind up with some really folksy person who's not going to connect. Same thing, if someone says, we want a Rick Warren type. Okay, mm-hmm. that means they're not looking for someone to give them real deep theology. They're looking for kind of cute, and, and you know, I, I, I had a guy who told me he, he every single day, he went and li- read the Rick Warren toolbox or whatever, and his his goal was to preach to an eighth grade level, and tons of people got saved under his preaching because everyone could understand what he said. Awesome. So I mean, it, knowing who you are and and kind of just stating that mm-hmm. you know, look, we're not going to beat around the bush. We want you to basically be. Uh, if you've seen a video of um, you know Matt Chandler, that's who we're looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, be you, but we're looking for someone who, when they're being them is a lot like that. Right. I, that's forgivable. That's, right. that's not, I mean, that's just honest, right? I mean, sure. Yeah, no, I so, think, I think I, I would agree with you in that. I think the problem is that there are a lot of people, you know, and again, I don't, I don't know, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, this is the, you know, the, the idealistic college type, you know, and I think part of the problem with, well, a large part of the problem with youth is the fact that, Many times young people are very um, – they're very unaware of themselves. They're not self-aware. You know, they, they don't know who they are and so they're trying to go through and figure that out whether it's, you know, who am I as a speaker? Who am I as a person? You know, there's, there's all this self-discovery stuff going on and it, some of that I think is, you know, laughable when you hear what people are trying to do to quote unquote discover themselves other stuff I think is actually kind of legit. It's like, no, figure out who you want to be, you know, but, but do that in the context of your personality. I think the problem is we have so many people trying to adopt a personality that's not theirs. And so when they go about it, that's where you have the issue, you know, if if I'm a church looking for the R.C. Sproul type and the Rick Warren type is going to try to come and be the R.C. Sproul type, I, I don't know that that's going to be effective, you know, and I think right, that's yeah. where you have some of the issues sometimes is, you know, again, we, you know, we will rail on, um, you know, teachers and preachers um, on the other side of the camp. Um, for, for things that they say and do, you know, but ultimately I think some of the worst offenders are the ones who aren't them, who are trying to be them. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't think that's you. I mean, become your own person, you know, and I would say that whether that's, you know, Furtick or Piper or Stanley or, you know, um, Beg or whoever it is, it's like, uh, if you're trying to move in the direction like you mentioned Sproul earlier, that heady really getting into the weeds of things, that's great. But the minute you start trying to like do that breathy like you know imitation of Sproul, that's where I'm like uh, you're taking it a little too far now. And you get that a lot of times with those new preachers that are coming in where they've been so – this is, you know, they, they've listened to so many sermons that they, they've done so much learning under that person, whether directly or indirectly, that they begin to sound like that person. And it's just like, that's weird. You know, who, who are you as an individual and find your own voice, find your own tone in that. And it's hard to tell from the outside. I mean, you're, you're, if you find who you really are, 
Um, you know, this is how God made me. This is how God made me to teach. Um, and I'm naturally going to kind of fall in with people who are similar because I'm right. comfortable with them. Right. And it might look from the outside like, oh, I see what you did. You just, uh, you know, kind of um, found these people and decided you're going to be like Mark Driscoll. So you're with a bunch of guys who were doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and we... This is the kind of thing that I, by reflex, you know, you send me and I laugh and I start to, you know, kind of revert to a certain version of me that I'm I'm not 100% sure is the best version of me. Right. Especially with, you know, stuff Christian culture likes. The whole point stated on the thing is, you know, this is for people who've been harmed by Christian culture for us to sit back and mock Christian culture. I mean, like, this is like their stated, like, goal of, like, their forums and all these things. Um End of the day, maybe the reason they took down this ad from the church staffing website is because people were getting them wrong. Maybe they looked at it and were like, holy cow, I see how you could read this two ways. Right. Um, and and maybe what happened was, and this is me like I, half doing damage control and half like maybe saying I need to you know, repent and, and, and uh, look into stuff more before I sit back and assess it. Maybe what happened was, this was like two or three neighbors sitting there on a Sunday morning watching worship together and then watching a sermon clip, and it grew to 40 people doing that somewhere, and, and out of that came, I don't know. Um, right, right. I, I do think I'm probably not 180 degrees off when I, when I hear them, you know, the churches are asleep. Why? Because they don't look like this. They mm. look like, you know, an organ playing and a bunch of old people sitting around listening to a lecture. Uh, okay, careful. You know, I, I don't want to hear the, the people in the stuffy church automatically judge the people in the jumping around with electric guitars church either. Right. Let's all just uh, slow down a minute and remember none of us are doing this stuff the way they did it uh, in the first century. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, and, and even, you know, your um, Eastern Orthodox church is going to say, yes, we are. No, actually, you're not. Read the right. book of Acts. Um, your your way is more ancient than our way, but at the end of the day, if we're all hitting checking certain boxes right. in our own ways, let's let's not let's not fight over the the um, minutia of it. Right. Uh, and what I, that's why I said I thought I, I sensed you know maybe some pride and some lack of experience and and a, and a, and you know it, it's a condescending way to talk, but kind of saw maybe some shades of how I think I probably came off. Uh, when I was in Bible college, when I was just starting seminary, um, where you're very quick to, oh, no, 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 I don't want anything to do with this institutional thing. Right. You know, I don't want religion. I want relationship and, right. and this kind of thing. Um, okay, it's, it, it, I don't want to swat anybody's, uh, you know, uh, youthful zeal down. Uh, you know, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Um, but I'd also really like to, challenge people who are coming from that direction mm -hmm. uh to not be too quick to in their chronological snobbery uh make themselves the arbiter of mil millennia worth of tradition yeah and, and, yeah. um i got nothing more go ahead yeah well i mean i think too you know um as we sit here and, and, you know, talk about this and laugh about, it and, you know, all the different things we're doing, you know, I think it's important to remember, you know, for, for some of those older churches, you know, I, I don't necessarily think you would have as much of an issue with some of this stuff if they instructed their, their people a little better and a little more, you know, I mean, I, you know, your boy being in, in a Lutheran school and learning catechism, hopefully he's learning the reasons behind why they're doing these things and why they're saying these things and not just that it's flat out tradition. And unfortunately, in many churches who kind of produce a lot of these, you know, uh, I don't want to say zealots, but you know what I mean? Like this, this, this youth that, that goes in saying, I want to do something different. It comes from a frustration where I think a lot of times they're seeing the tradition and not understanding the why behind it. 
And so, you know, because if you were to ask them, okay, if you're, if you're going to start a church, um, you know, communion's a tradition, are you going to get rid of that? Well, no, it's the Lord's Supper, and this is why we do it. And, you know, you and I talked um, a few weeks ago about, you know, not just going into the why, but the actual, the actual sacrament of what we're doing, why it's sacred, why it's holy. And, and churches tend to focus on that, and they tend to explain that and go through those things and do a, uh, I would say, a fair to good to great job in some cases at explaining that. And so, you know, churches, that's not something that's necessarily going to be gotten rid of in the congregations. Baptism, the same thing. But when it comes to some of the other things, okay, why, why do we sing these hymns? Let's go to hymns. And I'm not saying, you know, hymns or, or praise and worship music, one's better than the other. I have, you know, discussions with my grandfather about this stuff all the time. And, you know, it's like, well, if, you know, King Jimmy was good enough for, you know, uh, for us, why isn't it good enough for you type things? And it's like, yeah, but I mean, you know, if you want to go all the way back to it, why, why do we even bring Bibles to the church? I mean, if you're looking to get really authentic, shouldn't the pastor just get up there with his Bible and be teaching us and we not have our own? Well, no, you know, we have the word of God and all that. And so we should cherish it and appreciate it. And I agree with that. But if we, if we get to a point as as we're getting older, Zach, where we're failing to teach the importance and the tradition of the hymns and the stories behind the hymns. I mean, that's one of the things that I love is understanding the story of why I'm singing what I'm singing. To me, a Casting Crown song or a Mercy Me song or um, even a, a, a Getty song or, or any song that's out there, to me... I enjoy the stories behind it. And so I feel like as someone who appreciates both sides, I sing some really what I consider lousy hymns, but I've grown up with them. And so they kind of get stuck in your head every once in a while. And I sing some really lousy praise and worship music because, again, for the same reason, it's something that I grew up with and was stuck in my head. But then I sing things that doctrinally they're solid and sound. And I sing things that I look at and it's like, man, that the person where they were in the place they were writing this just speaks to my heart. And and I understand their story and, and what they went through to write that. And I think extending into the context of that relationship that you have with people, you know, where Paul talks about living that quiet life and and you know, we understand our history and our tradition. We're not just doing these for the sake of, well, we've always done it for the past 150 years, so we're going to continue to do it that way. But explaining and teaching through, these are the reasons why we do these things. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I agree with the gist of what you just said. Um, I think I want to uh, back off my... Um, my backing off. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, not that I wasn't listening to you. I was, but I was also re, um, what are you, uh, reading uh-huh. uh, the, the ad. Yep. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that we should be making fun of this because uh, <laughs> it, 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 I, I hadn't read the bottom of it. There's an, there's an ad in the middle of the, in the, middle of the article, mm-hmm. right? And at the bottom of this, it continues, and it says, here is our concept. If a worship leader can take a song from Chris Tomlin and play it just like the album, and that is 100% accepted in the church, why can't you, as a pastor, copy or do word per word, word per word, of a sermon from Craig Groeschel and add 10% of your own style to do it just like the band does? This concept would work great, mixed with your own sermons about 20% of the time. <laughs> so, so, so now we're coming into... Something that we were talking about where we were being generous with people and now we're looking at it going, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, on Facebook, I found their website. Okay. 19, 19 people like it. Um, and there's their their picture is like a theater seat with a bucket of popcorn and a pop in the little cup holder. And it says, church done different. Blockbuster sermons, popcorn smell, good friends, coffee. Um, and... 
it, it you know it, it describes exactly what the article says. Sunday service at ten, featuring contemporary praise and worship with a live band. So they do have a live band. Okay. And blockbuster sermons from Andy Stanley, Craig Groeschel, and Dean Hawk! Exclamation point. Church done different. Um, I, I I have no words, man. I mean, I know I had a whole bunch of words, <laughs> but first of all, I don't even know if that's ethical. Um, well, well, no, because we have all these copyright laws. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, if somebody if I if somebody told me, you know, there's a church that's taking your MP3s of your sermons and playing them during the service, the only thing I'm going to be is a flattered and be a little concerned that they don't have you know a, a preacher and hope and, and pray for them. Um, but I'm not gonna. No one's going after anybody for this. At least not when there's only 20 people involved. Right. But gosh, whoever's making the decisions at this church ought not to be making decisions at a church. And I really think um, that, yeah, the, yeah, I, I have nothing to say further without, you know, <laughs> again, get, going too far and having to come and mitigate it. I'm trying to be better with these kind of things. Sure. Um, and, and that's it's kind of useless when you say, well, we have a podcast where we talk about things. And I say, I don't know if I should talk about this thing. <laughs> um, I, I think this, here's what I will say. I think this is sort of a metaphor for everything that's kind of wrong and vapid with with church trends today, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this, because when I had read that earlier, I only read the first half of the the thing, the job description, and I thought that it was hyperbole that they were looking for a plagiarizing pastor, that they were just looking for someone who would copy that style, because mm-hmm. that's what it says in the first half. And then to read the second half just now and find no, they're really looking for someone word for word, and then to quote add 20% or to part of their own kind of vibe and, and, and their own style to it. I mean, that, that completes the lie, right? To make it right. seem like I'm coming up with this. Um, even while they're being kind of out in the open with what they're looking for. Right. Gosh, man, I think that, um, the way to end this is, uh, not to sum anything up, uh, <laughs> or tie a neat bow on it, but kind of just leave it sitting there. Um, we we could end it the way the happy rant does, you know, just Rachel the Held Evans. I mean, would that say it all? <laughs> no, I've, I've never heard of that. The happy what? The happy rant? The happy rant what? podcast? I'm not familiar with that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what is this podcast you speak of? <laughs> you know, if now if somebody was going to be copying Ronnie Martin sermons, but adding their own style... You could clip them down by like 40% by removing all the like, dude, man. <laughs> oh, shots fired. I'm kidding. Uh, oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think – I know you don't want to sum it up, but I'll, I'll do that anyway. I mean, I think <laughs> I think the, the fact of the matter is, you know, regardless of – you know, some of the stuff that we said before, you know, and I think what we were talking about before was an understanding of that youthful passion of this is what we, you know, this is what we want to do. We kind of want to change the world, you know? So I think really what we're talking about is two different groups of people here. I mean, this group of people is looking to do something illegal. Um, I mean, really what you're talking about is something just as bad as being like, we're going to form a church and the way we're going to run our church is we're going to run around as a group of people and we're just going to rob people at night. I mean, that's literally what you're doing. I mean, that's what plagiarism is. It's a theft of somebody's ideas and, and, and their words and their creativity, um, you know, and, and it's a crime. I mean, you know, there are so – you know, what these people are looking to do is commit crime within their church. You know, I know people will be like, well, you know, I mean, but it's not as bad. And No, but it is. I mean, you know, if you look up plagiarism laws and, you know, all that stuff and the fines and, and all that for plagiarism, I mean, this, this is huge. You know, you get you get expelled from universities for doing this, for not coming up with your own work. Um, you know, you get suspended from, uh, you know, I know at the school I teach at, you know, kids are suspended for plagiarizing. Um, and so this is something that's taught and explained to people from a very early age that you need to do your own work. 
Um, I, what do you think? I mean, and, and I know, I know you're going to have to try to refrain yourself a little bit, Zach. So, um, I can do some editing if I need to. Um, what, what do you think the mindset is of something like this? I mean, how, how is this even possibly justified or justifiable? I don't know. I'd like to think they've gotten permission from these pastors. Um, I mean, on their website, they've got, it says featured pastors and it shows each of them and has a bio. Maybe they're, maybe they're just thinking new world, new economy. Why limit ourselves to people who are local to us when there are great pastors or their stuff's available? Maybe, maybe it's just someone who's, who's trying to do for the church what Uber did for transportation and that's it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just, uh, I don't know. It seems just like folly to me. Yeah. Uh, you, this is setting people up to not even have a pastor, um, and then, well, I guess I guess what maybe the other thought is is that if they get someone who's really really skilled uh, as at pastoral stuff, but they're not that great at writing sermons, <laughs> that, that won't be a deal breaker. <laughs> I don't know. I can't uh, I can't reverse engineer this stuff, man. I just know that I I don't like that more and more um, we're not really gathered together. We're we're just kind of plugged in, yeah. uh, and I think I, I'm I'm going to bounce with this quote, quote from Rod Rosenblatt, one of my favorite Lutherans, uh, which was, "Sure, you can do church online just as soon as you find a laptop with a wine port." Hmm. Hmm. All right, man. Well, it was a good uh, good time. Uh, we I don't will... think we got anywhere. I think I think we went around in circles until we got dizzy, and then we tried not to throw up. <laughs> hey, but we didn't throw up. That's the important. There you part. go. It, it was it was a good conversation then. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and uh, sign off. We'll uh, we'll be back next week with something less uh, confusing and dizzying. Um, I will. <laughs> I will link this article uh, to this so uh, our li- our listeners can go ahead and take a look at it and um, maybe write in and let us know what uh, what they think of it and throw their input. Um, you know, I never get involved with those conversations, but it's always interesting when the listeners kind of go back and forth and talk about it. So, yeah, yeah, get get on there, get on Twitter and tag uh, uh, TGT Eleven Podcast and uh, or is it Podcast TGT Eleven? I think that's the one. Yeah, and uh, and me at author Z Bartles uh, Zach author whatever i am and uh and we have had some interesting conversations after some of these topics i'd like to hear maybe you and i are missing something and and if that's the case i'll be very happy (laughs) all right man we're gonna go ahead and sign off now zach we just rocked the casbah these go to 11